Right. And I think that's where like being being somebody who loves an outdoor sport or hobby, that's where tracking your cycle or even charting your cycle fully like me can come in handy because the more data you can collect about your own individual menstrual cycle, the more you'll be able to make informed decisions when it comes to your outdoor sport. Welcome to the Woman Angler and Adventurer Podcast, inspiring real women with a passion for fishing in the outdoors to go get their adventure on. Now, here's your host, coming to you from the Lance Chuck Camper Mobile Podcast Studio, Master Captain Angie Scott. Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of the Woman Angler and Adventurer Podcast. I'm really excited about this one because it's a little left to center of my normal episodes where I'm just interviewing amazing women in the fishing world. Um, we're actually going to tackle a topic that we all have to deal with as women in the outdoors. And I can't think of a more perfect guest than Angie Marie, which I'm Angie Marie too. So that's awesome. It is wonderful to connect with another Angie Marie, and especially when it's somebody who's open to talking about periods. My name, again, Angie Marie. I also have a business called The Hormone Hacker, and that's where I really combine my two passions for outdoor adventures with menstrual cycles. (laughs) And I know that menstrual cycles is still kind of like a weird fringe interest, but It's something half the world has to deal with. And I was just saying before I got on the call with Angie, (laughs) um, I was curious to see what would pop up if I typed, you know, uh, women fishing periods into Google or dealing with menstrual periods while fly fishing. And there's truly nothing really out there for fishing in particular. So I, I think it's really great that we can chat a little bit about that today and how we might be able to make this thing that happens to half the people on this planet more um, approachable and easier to manage while you're out near water or on water. Yeah, so we'll start the trend and maybe more conversations will pop up than than what's out there right now because, um, like you said, half of the world has to deal with this. So um, why it's not talked about more, I'm not sure, but I'm glad you're out there um doing what you do with the Hormone Hacker. And I want to give you a chance to give a little bit of your backstory and how you came about to create the Hormone Hacker website. I've always been pretty outdoorsy, but I was never like a period person growing up. I never would have expected that I would do work within the reproductive health space at all. And what happened to me was a life-threatening experience with my copper IUD. So I was using the intrauterine device for uh, birth control, and I used it for a couple, several years, actually, with no issue other than it did make my periods heavier and more painful, which sucked. But I thought this is the price you pay for birth control, which shouldn't be true. Uh, There, you know, there are pros and cons to every form of birth control, some of which will stop your period, some of which will lighten your period, some won't have any effect on your period. It's all very, very personal to you and your lifestyle. But the one the one current connecting all of them is knowing the risks and the benefits for all of them. Um, And I think a big problem with our 
medical industry is that you don't get those risks explained to you or they're minimized. So even though I had this very highly effective form of birth control in the copper IUD, I truly wasn't aware of the risks, um, one of them being ectopic pregnancy. And so when I had an ectopic pregnancy, I didn't realize that the symptoms I was seeing and what I was feeling Um, that those could be indicative of what was actually happening. So long story short, I ended up getting my one of my fallopian tubes removed at the age of 23 because of this unnoticed and then misdiagnosed ectopic pregnancy inside my tube. Um, And so after that, I was like, oh, shoot, what do I do about birth control? Like I was on one of the most effective forms and it failed me without anything necessarily being wrong with it. It's just that there was that small, small, small percentage failure. So uh, tried I tried um, a hormonal IUD for a few months, which are very popular, especially for outdoorsy people with periods, because they will sometimes make your periods go away or make them lighter. Mm-hmm. However, they can also come with side effects. And for me, I was getting mood swings and anxiety. And I, I just felt a little bit flatter, um, for lack of a better word, just mm-hmm. mentally, physically. So I realized, okay, this is not for me. I'm not feeling like myself. And that's when a friend recommended fertility awareness, which a lot of people will think, oh, that's the rhythm method or the calendar method. And that is not true. (laughs) So I teach a symptothermal form, uh, the symptothermal method of fertility awareness, which involves monitoring your fertile signs over the month, including basal body temperature, cervical fluid, and even your cervical position. And you actually chart those things. You take you take data every day and put them visually on a chart so that you can see the changes throughout your entire menstrual cycle and make reproductive choices based on that. So some people can use it to conceive. Some people can use it to monitor health. And then a lot of people like me will use it for birth control without having any synthetic hormones or copper IUDs placed in. So yeah, it was kind of um, a weird journey to get to where I am now, but learning fertility awareness and taking back that control over my body and fertility is what led me to become a teacher of fertility awareness. It's what led me to cyclical living. So looking at where I am in my menstrual cycle and seeing how my nutrition and exercise and even work habits can place into where I am in my cycle. So yeah, now we teach other people how to do all that. (laughs) Was it a very complicated process as you were learning all this information? Like, how did you go about that? It was because we, you know, we're taught these myths (laughs) as Mm -hmm. soon as, as soon as we're nine, 10 years old and you get into health class and they split you up and to try and teach you about things, you're, they're not, it's not the best education. They tell us things like, your menstrual cycle is 28 days long. And that is not true. In fact, the average, if you look at all the data we have, um, the average menstruator's menstrual cycle is actually just over 29 days long. Mm -hmm. They like 28 because it's a nice number. You say four weeks, you know, it's Mm -hmm. great, but truly it can, it can range. A healthy cycle is anywhere from 25 to 35 days long. And Mm -hmm. it's very individual. So that's a myth. Um, Another myth would be you know, it's your, your period is painful and that's normal. Mm-hmm. Painful periods that are affecting your daily life are not normal. And it's a sign that something could be wrong structurally or hormonally. There, it's, but you do not, nature did not design you to have painful periods. Mm-hmm. It's also not normal to skip periods. If you are not on hormonal birth control and your period disappears, but you're not pregnant, 
that's not healthy. And that actually happened to me when I was over exercising and not fueling enough. Um, it can lead to stress fractures. There's just a whole a whole bunch of things that we are taught are normal that are actually pretty unhealthy. So um, that, that was, that's kind of like the big roadblock for me anyway, was how do I navigate this world of misinformation? And how do I navigate this world of shame and repression around periods? Since most people aren't talking about them. Uh, most people aren't you know, showing you how to use a period cup or, or talking about, um, you know, how to navigate sexual choices around your period. So to have such a taboo topic become a passion, that was the hardest part. But mm. once you release that shame and realize the whole human population is here because of the menstrual cycle, <laughs> it's sort of a wake up call like, oh, okay, this is natural. This is normal. This is something that we can use to our advantage if we're able to release that shame around it. Right. Uh, yeah, I remember, you know, being back in middle school, early high school, when my classmates were first experiencing their first periods. And I remember so many of my friends having such awful issues with like cramps and, um, you know, and irregular periods and things like that. So it's like definitely issues. But I do remember, you know, just thinking, oh, that's normal. Everybody has, everybody's different. Some people have really bad cramps. Some people don't as much. Some people are really heavy. Some aren't. Some skip them, you know, and I just thought uh, that was all just normal. For- right. And I think that's where, like, being being somebody who loves an outdoor sport or hobby, that's where tracking your cycle or even charting your cycle fully, like me, can come in handy. Because the more data you can collect about your own individual menstrual cycle, the more you'll be able to make informed decisions when it comes to your outdoor sport. So if you know that you have, um, you know, an event coming up within a few weeks, if you're fully tracking and charting your cycle, you'll know exactly what day your period's going to come weeks in advance. Even if you have irregular cycles, if you're fully charting your fertility data, you'll get a couple week, weeks heads up. Um, if you know exactly which days you have lower energy or exactly which days you'll have the most pain or cramping, then you can make decisions in advance to plan, plan for those things and plan around those things so that you can maximize your comfort, even on those days where, where, you know, having a cycle is the toughest. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. I like, uh, the, the tagline on your website says, make your period, your superpower. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Which is like the opposite of what most people think of when they think of their periods. <laughs> yeah. And I think that's because we have such a lack of education around this. So the way that I see my my cycle being my superpower is knowing when to tap into the powers of each phase. So if you, you know, a lot of people think, oh, menstrual cycle, that's the same as your period. But it's not. (laughs) Uh, Your period is a part of your menstrual cycle. But really, there's this beautiful dance that your hormones do every single cycle. And with the changing hormones every day, every week, you can tap into the way that you're feeling differently, the way you're thinking differently, even the way like I'm a runner myself. And the way that I uh, feel and perform when running changes based on whether it's before or after my ovulation. Truly, ovulation is that one main event of your entire cycle. It's not your period, and you actually can't have a period without having had ovulation beforehand. Mm. So ovulation is the true star. 
That is the thing that we're looking for when we're charting our cycles. And it's a kind of defining moment of how you're going to feel. Most people will feel higher energy around ovulation and leading up to it. And then after ovulation, they'll start to have that waning energy and maybe decreased motivation, maybe decreased um, coordination. So things that might affect your sport. And that's not to say that you, you can still perform your absolute best at your hobbies and sports every single day of your cycle. It's more about preparing for those days so that you can still feel your best and perform well. So a lot of people struggle with premenstrual um, symptoms. They might struggle with that decrease in motivation or coordination or energy. But if you can, you know, plan for extra recovery time or plan for extra comfort tools, then you can still do your best, even if you're you have a big event planned for like the day before your period or on your period. Gotcha. In South Dakota, hunting is our shared legacy, something everyone can be a part of. That's why we're focused on making our fields a welcome place for everyone. See how at huntthegreatestsd.com, where you can hear stories from sportswomen and learn what makes South Dakota the world's pheasant capital. While you're there, check out public land maps, hunting blogs, and season information for one unforgettable fall. Learn more at huntthegreatestsd.com. So you have several online courses on your website that people can sign up for based on what particular topic they're they're most interested in, or they can do all of them, of course. Um, one of the courses I saw on there was period power for outdoor athletes. So I'm assuming what you're kind of talking about, you teach all that uh, in that course. Um, how much role does like what you eat come into play with all of this? Yeah. So, I mean, I am not a restrictive eater at all. Like, I mean, I tried that over a decade ago and it was awful for me mentally and physically. So I never, uh, I'm, and I'm not, I'm also not a dietitian, so I'm not going to make any like nutrition advice to people. However, I like to use my cycle as a way to, make sure that I'm, you know, fueling with different nutrients over the course of my cycle, or I'm getting a variety of uh, different fruits and vegetables. So uh, for me, there's your period, there's the time between your period and ovulation, there's ovulation, and then there's time between that ovulation and the start of your next period. And you can look at those as four different inner seasons. So you have your winter when you're bleeding, you have your spring leading up to ovulation, your inner summer is around ovulation, and your inner autumn is that premenstrual phase. Mm. And so you can look at the way that you're eating seasonally every single cycle. So for me, I tend to do more warming foods leading up to my period and during my period, and I'll have more cooling raw foods perhaps in my inner spring and summer. So my um, before ovulation and around ovulation phases. So based on based on how you're feeling, obviously that's that's the number one thing to do is what do I actually want to eat that will make me feel good and fuel myself well for my sport. But for me, I've noticed that my preferences do change across my cycle and that I can make uh, I can make different choices on what I'm eating based on where I am. And then also be like again, since I like to run and backpack and hike, um, I noticed that premenstrually, I do need more calories, I need more carbs, and I need to eat sooner after like a hard workout. So there's just things to keep in mind. And again, this is also individual and 
you'll get a better idea on what's best for you the more you collect that data. <laughs> gotcha. Well, I do want to talk about, I know you're not a big uh, angler, but I do want to talk about, you know, we, I mentioned when I reached out about doing this episode, I fish bass tournaments and typically I'm really not going to the bathroom during a tournament um, unless I really have to. And some ladies will just kind of lean over the side of the boat and go that way. I I like to use a bucket. <laughs> uh, it's a little more comfortable for me, um, but we're out there pretty Pretty much from sunrise until 3, 3.30, so a, a good chunk of time typically where we're really not going to the bathroom, but, you know, everybody, you can't control when the tournament's going to be, so if it just happens to be during your period, you've got to deal with that on top of that, so do you have mm -hmm. any, like, tips or suggestions to make that uh, a little more comfortable or not as awkward, I guess? Yeah, so I think I would kind of split this into two categories of, I guess we'll call it gear, <laughs> but you would have your actual like period gear or supplies, and then there's more of like the what your apparel and what you're wearing to make that more comfortable. Mm. So like, for example, what you're wearing, they actually have, um, within the past couple of years, they've made a lot of really cool products around this where they have pants that um, basically you can, it makes it easier for women to urinate or you know change their cup or tampon or whatever they're doing without having to actually take their pants all the way up off mm. so i know there's a company called sheepfly and essentially it looks like normal plant pants but then if you like squat and like move the crotch around you can basically open it up so that you can squat and pee without even pulling your pants down ah. and i think so that's sheepfly and then i think another one is called zippers like z-i-p-h-e-r-s zippers uh, <laughs> and so that's a couple brands that like you can it can just make it easier to urinate in a public place or you know change whatever you need to change uh, while you're out there even on the water on a boat whatever you're doing um as well as a pee funnel and uh a pee funnel is great to have for any outdoor sport honestly if it's hard hard for you to find a private place or if it's just cold or windy and you don't want to have to, you know, strip down and squat. Um, if you are going to invest in a pee funnel, which can be like $10 or less, I would suggest trying it out in the shower first mm -hmm. so that you can figure out how to have the right feel and all of that. But then when it comes to like specific like menstrual products, um, you know, usually they, most people will say there's two options, tampons or pads. And I think that's been changing, especially over the past, you know, five years, people have really started to embrace the menstrual cup. But for me, I, I'm a menstrual cup user and um, I love them just because they will last a lot longer than a tampon or a pad. And especially pads can be uncomfortable and they might chafe if you're using them during your outdoor sport. So I would say if you haven't tried a menstrual cup yet, it can be a game changer. It can hold, you know, it depends on what your flow is, but they say up to 12 hours worth of bleeding, which could be a really great option for those tournament days or days when you're just out on the water um, and don't have any scheduled bathroom break. So that could be um, a great option for people. If you don't want to invest in a cup, but you're curious about it and want to try something like less cost at first, since the cup could be anywhere from like 20 to $40, um, you can try menstrual discs. So they have, they're similar to cups, but the way that they're placed is a little bit differently. In both cases, you're going to want clean hands, um, which is where bringing some wipes could come in handy 
making a little period pack for yourself, just a little baggie with some materials. But when you use your clean hands um, and find find a place where you're able to insert the cup or the disc, uh, there the discs are a great option because you can get disposable ones if you're in a place where you can't really clean your your cup if you don't need it anymore. Um, they give you the same amount of fluid collection, so you can still go 12 hours. That might be a great way for you to try out an alternative method. And then another one that's gotten really popular are period panties. And these can be good if you are on a lighter flow day, even if you don't think you'll be able to get to a bathroom uh, for many hours. Say you're um, on the tail end of your period and it's a light day. Those could be good even if you're outdoors since they won't chafe like a pad would. Mm -hmm. They can still collect a good amount of light day flow. And um, yeah, they're just more comfortable. Interesting. So I, I did try the cup and this was probably five years ago, uh, maybe six, but I think I felt like it had just come out. Maybe it had been around longer, but I had just seen it myself for the first time. And I was like, well, that's interesting. I'm going to try that. And I really liked it, but since it's been so long, I, I don't remember, um, how long does, do they last in general? Like I know you clean them and you can reuse them. Um, do you know how long they hold up? Yeah, so it actually it depends on the cup because they're made of different materials. So um, I, I think I started with a rubber cup and then I moved on to a silicone cup. So depending on which material you use, you might have different, um, you know, cleaning and storing methods. Mm -hmm. For example, rubber, you're not supposed to use boiling water. You can just use hot water and soap to clean at the end of your cycle when you're putting it away for the rest of the month. Um, whereas silicone, you can actually boil it if you want to. Mm -hmm. um, so rubber and I, I don't remember actually which one lasts longer, but in general, if you're following the protocol for cleaning it and storing it appropriately, they can last for up to 10 years. Oh, wow. And you'll notice if they're, uh, you know, if they're getting cracks or getting um, like losing any rigidity, that's a sign that you'll need to replace it soon. But in general, like a five, five to 10 years for a $40 cup is well worth it compared to the hundreds you would spend yeah. on tampons. No kidding. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, and then, so this is probably, well, not really a gross question because it, it is what it is, but how do you know when it's full? Like if you are flowing really heavy one day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is another place where it's going to be individual. So it's ideal that uh, you start, you know, tracking, even if you don't want to chart your cycles in the full way that I do with your fertility signs, there are basic things you can do to track your periods and the like kind of qualities about your period. So like uh, knowing what color your period is, because a bright cranberry red color is really healthy, whereas like an eggplanty color or even brown, that's not ideal. So knowing things like color and consistency, like is it is it um, clotty or is it kind of more like a normal blood type consistency? Mm -hmm. And then, of course, there's amount is within that, too. So knowing a rough idea of whether your flow is heavy or not is um is very helpful because i mean if you first of all if your period is very heavy it could be a sign of a hormonal imbalance or something else and it's worth talking to a doctor with um but if you have an idea of roughly how many times you have to empty your cup 
throughout a day uh, or throughout an entire cycle. It might just be something you have to keep in the back of your mind. So like, mm-hmm. I'm actually on my period today. I'm on the, the end of it. Um, it's my, four, I, I have, you know, four to five day periods and I'm on day four right now. And I know that I could leave my cup in for the full 12 hours and it still won't be full. However, I know that on my day one, I'm actually going to be changing it every six to or emptying it every six to seven hours. Mm-hmm. But that I only know that because I have been tracking for right. a while. So I would challenge you if you're curious to know like when, how often you might need to empty your cup or change your tampon or change your period panties. Take an eye of um, when you're at home. So like, you know, you're not out on the river or whatever, but you're at home for your next period. And as you're changing your menstrual products, take note of how full they appear. So say you use tampons um, and you know that you like fully soak them when you change them. If you have, you know, um, 12 fully soaked tampons over the course of however many days your period is, you probably have a pretty normal flow. But if you have if you're fully soaking 16 or more regular tampons throughout a menstrual cycle, that's a pretty heavy flow. And so you might need to be changing a cup or something more often. If you're fully soaking period panties or underwear, you know, three, three or four pairs a day, that's a pretty heavy flow. So if I, I would recommend getting an idea of what is normal for you. And then you'll have an idea of when you know that you'll need to empty it. Obviously, if you start leaking, then you're overfull mm-hmm. and nobody wants to deal with leaking. No. So um, <laughs> that's why that's why it's kind of like you got to put in that entire investment at first to know what is normal for me. What is this like at home? And then once you understand what your normal is. It makes it easier to go out into the field and and know what to expect when you're right. out there. Awesome. Well, that's all great information to have. And I'm sure will be very helpful for a lot of ladies listening and highly recommend everybody go check out your website, thehormonehacker.com and sign up for one of these courses so you can learn more on how to um, make your period your superpower, (laughs) which would be better than the opposite. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I think for sure we need to reclaim some of this power when it comes around our bodies. And I think a lot of, since we're taught so often to hide our periods and neglect that part of our body and just like suppress it. Imagine, imagine how great we could all feel, how great half the world or more could feel if we could instead claim that power and try and give it, give us the best experience possible. So Mm -hmm. if anything, I hope you can leave today with like one idea on how you can make your period a little bit more comfortable or your entire cycle a little bit more fun. And then we can all feel better together. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. Love it. Thank you so much for taking some time to be on the show. Love doing um, topics that are a little off the normal, mixing it up a little bit. So Thanks for uh, giving me the opportunity to do that. And I'll put links to the website as well as your Instagram and Facebook uh, in the show notes for this episode so people can go check it out. Well, thank you from one Angie Marie to another. (laughs) (laughs) Love it. (laughs) 